from Salesforce Studios, this is Blazing Trails. Welcome to Blazing Trails. I'm Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. Today we are joined by a true power couple, one leveraging their extensive network to help children across the country, Stefan and Aisha Curry. Basketball fans out there know Stephen Curry as the three-time NBA champion, two-time MVP, and point guard for the Golden State Warriors. But what you may not know is what Stephen and his wife, Aisha, are doing with their nonprofit, Eat, Learn, Play, to transform their local community and beyond. But before we get to Stephen and Aisha Curry, a word about WordPress VIP, who is making this show possible. WordPress VIP is the digital publishing solution that powers the world's top media companies, as well as marketing platforms for some of the best-known brands like Time and Facebook. Later on in this episode, you'll hear more of our conversation with their CEO, Nick Gurner. And now, here's Stefan and Aisha Curry, speaking with senior editor of Fortune, Ellen McGirt. Hey, everybody. Having a good dream for us? I have a feeling it's about to get a whole lot better. So I'm here to introduce two people who really need no introduction, but I'm going to give it a try. I like to think of them as a new American dream story, a love story. Two kids who met 14, 15 in youth group, became college sweethearts, guided by faith and family and community and a tremendous sense of adventure. One grows up to be one of the most decorated professional basketball players in the modern era, three-time NBA champion and two-time MVP to be exact. The other who has translated her love of home and hearth and food and cooking and writing into a growing restaurant and lifestyle empire. All of this while raising the cutest family anyone's ever seen. But this is also a love story about their adopted city, a beautiful, historic, creative, unapologetic and necessary city, complicated enough to produce both Boots Riley and Barbecue Becky. I know you know who she is. A city that's over-policed in the streets, but underfunded in the schools, and where one in four kids are hungry. It's a city that could use some love and good ideas. So I find it particularly poignant that as the Golden State Warriors were moving across the bay to San Francisco, Stefan and Aisha Curry decided to do something bold for their adopted hometown of Oakland. Here to tell us the story about their new nonprofit, Eat, Learn, and Play, is Aisha and Stefan Curry. Please welcome them. Thank you for that very kind introduction. (laughs) Well, you really don't need an introduction, but I think Oakland does to the world, and what you're doing is so extraordinary. Eat, Learn, Play is still pretty new. You launched in July. Could you tell us a little bit about what it is? Yeah, we're very excited about it. Um, I think in terms of uh, what Aisha and I have done um, and what we've been on our hearts since you know we've had the opportunity to uh, you know being out here in Oakland since 2009, uh, we've done a lot of things in the community and tried to you know aspire to bring our passions in a way that can give back and really impact people, impact our community. Um, and it was kind of sporadic, you know, uh, doing an initiative here. Uh, you know, she she's done a lot of work with No Kid Hungry in the past, but in terms of like all of our different things, that were kind of disjointed, and we wanted to feel. Uh, or bring a way to bring all of our passions together, our expertise, and build a team around you know those initiatives and to do it in Oakland. And so Eat, Learn, Play was born out of that. Um, it's been a very exciting journey. We did launch in July, but it's been something that we've been 
truly working on for about two years now. And so um, to be able to, again, impact um, the community is, is something for us that's, that's important. It's been ingrained in us since we were kids growing up, and, and we have an opportunity to do it at a very, very large scale. And, um, you know, eat, learn, play is that. And so, you know, you want to talk about eat, learn, play. Absolutely. So I'll talk a little bit about our core pillars, which are very obvious, eat, learn, play. Um, we, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, you know, our goal really is to provide healthy, nutritious meals for every child, regardless of where they come from. Of course, starting in Oakland. And the ultimate goal is to end childhood hunger. Like you said earlier, one in four um, children right here in our backyards are going to school hungry. And I feel like it's unacceptable. It shouldn't be the case. And so we're, it's our mission um, while we're here on this earth to try and end that. Um, learn. We want to provide quality education and make sure that all kids have access to quality education um, through, you know, pre through high school and then to college, but through college as well, because a lot of people, you know, they have, they, they have the um, ability to get somebody to college, but then what happens when they're there and they don't have an example of somebody that's been there. And so it's our goal to make sure that they're seen through college and nurtured through college until they get into the workforce and then creating safe spaces for children to play. Um, something so simple that sounds like, oh, a, a park, but there are so many um, children and cities and spaces and um, food deserts and places that just don't have safe spaces to play. So we want to change that narrative and um, allow children healthy, active lifestyles, which in turn, um, we've all seen the research. It lessens anxiety levels. It helps children thrive in school. So it's just a whole full circle thing. And these three key things are, are three things that we truly believe help nurture and build up the, the uh, best possible child so that they can thrive in adulthood. Um, and we're not reinventing the wheel. It's really been our goal to kind of collaborate because one is great, but together we're better. And so it's taking all of these people and all of these organizations that are doing amazing things and combining forces um, and using our platform to be able to connect and bring everybody together so that we can amplify everyone's work. So I do have to acknowledge that you did not name this nonprofit after yourselves. A lot of people do. Can you tell us a little bit about the decision behind that? Yeah, I think in general, I mean, it's bigger than us. We obviously understand the platform that we have and the, the voice that we have in this world, and we've been blessed with that um, and try to do everything we can to leverage that in every situation. But um, when we're talking about basically what Aisha just kind of described and taking care of the entire child and those three you know pillars, this is work that we're doing now to hopefully set up, you know, a very, very long-term run at, at really changing lives. And it's, again, it's bigger than, than anything that Stefan and Aisha ourselves can do. And so um, that was important to kind of make that a message at the beginning with, you know, how we named it and make right. that something that hopefully people can gravitate towards in terms of, you know, your own childhood experience, you know, communities that you come from and issues that, you know, uh, need to be addressed and, and how eat, learn, play can be something that you can gravitate towards and, and hopefully get behind and help and, re and, and provide resources, time, whatever the case is. And, um, and that will continue to hopefully have a snowball effect way beyond, you know, my playing days or, or anything that, uh, you know, that's, that's short term. Ayesha, you're going to be cooking for a long time, I'm pretty yeah, sure. I, I left her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a nice sustainable my, career. No offense, as long as my hands are still here. And I can <laughs> 
come out bad. <laughs> I, I'm the type of person that likes to just address the elephants in the room <laughs> before I enter, so it's not. But I think I think for us, like another reason why we didn't uh, name the nonprofit after our namesake is our family is huge on um, impact over legacy, and so while it'd be nice to pass away and say, oh. Uh, look Look at their found the Stefan and Aisha. Like, who cares about that? That's not what it's about. For us, it's about how did we impact the community? What does it look like now? Where are we going? And we felt like Eat, Learn, Play was a very direct way of letting people know what we do um, so that at the end of the day, it's about how can we impact the community, not what did we leave behind for our namesake. Nobody, nobody cares about that. So before we dig into the nuts and bolts of how this works and how busy you've been, can you just take us back just for a few minutes to when you first came to Oakland and how you fell in love with the city and how you've gotten to know it and just where your footprint is, footprints are. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, back in 2009 when I got drafted uh, by the Warriors and, uh, you know, coming from across the, or coming across the country, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina and... Yeah, who, we got some Charlotte people in here? Oh. Okay. Respect, respect. And so uh, it was a whole new world for me. Um, Aisha being from Toronto, by way. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. I feel kind of jealous. There's only one Charlatan and a bunch of <laughs> That's okay. But uh, yeah, when we got drafted out here, I mean, I was 21 years old. Yeah. Uh, didn't really know much about the Bay Area, didn't know much about Oakland. And, uh, you know, fast forward 10 years later, I, we, we've grown up here as adults and uh, been able to raise a family here, uh, really get to know the people and the community, uh, not just through the relationship with basketball, but just in your everyday life. And, and uh, the spirit of Oakland. Yes, yes. The history of Oakland, the cultural influence of Oakland. Um, it is so present if you just walk down the street. I know it's changed a lot, but in terms of just what that city stands for um, and just the hope that, that is, is present every single day, it's something that is just contagious. And, uh, you know, the reputation that Oakland had from when I was just growing up from what I knew about it, um, it's, just, it's just so different when you get into the, to the streets and, and meet people that are, that are doing amazing things. And that's been our experience with Eat, Learn, Play. Just like I used to say, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. There are so many people doing amazing work on the ground that their stories need to be told and um, they need to be amplified to be able to do the work even better and even more efficiently and, and impact you know, many more people. And so those, those stories have really um, you know, just impacted us as a family. And this is our adoptive home now, and so uh, obviously there's been change again with the with the Warriors and us moving to San Francisco. But Oakland has been uh, uh, where we've grown up, and all of our experience has been just so just so special. Um, and so we wanted to to maintain a presence there as best we could. So this would be a good time to tell some of those stories. I know you've had a pretty busy day today on on Eat, Learn, Play business. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely, um, we got to take a trip this morning. Um, to the Martin Luther King uh, Elementary School and did a visit with No Kid Hungry to um, check out the breakfast program that they've implemented there um, and got to speak with some of the kids. Um, we had a little assembly and um, first partner, uh, Jennifer Newsom, came along with us and um, 
we, we were able to just, you know, see how these kids are thriving and what a difference something as simple as a breakfast can make, especially when it comes to education. Yeah. Um, we left there and then took a trip to the Oakland Unified School District Central Kitchen. And so this, this is actually amazing what they're doing. Um, I, I don't know how many thousands of square feet it is, but it's a huge building that they've built out with um, storage, commercial kitchen, and an education lab, um, and a full garden for to be able to provide 30,000 meals um, for free for all of the students in Oakland to be able to have um, a hot lunch. So I think that that's really spectacular. Um, they also have, again, their education lab. So students will be able to come in, whether it's on a field trip or a day trip from class and learn about their food, learn about how to grow their food, um, taking it from the land to the kitchen and creating a meal, which I think is so important. Um, because especially when you go into, into, um, places that, that there are so many food deserts, um, you know, I feel like the art of knowing where your food comes from, how to grow it, that's a lost, it's, it's a lost art, if you will, because they, they just don't know and it's not accessible. And so for the fact that um, OUSD uh, Central Kitchen is making this so accessible for these kids, I think it's really going to create great change. So how, how this works? Yep. What else did oh, yeah. you do? We went to, uh, <laughs> to College Track. And so that was actually a really cool experience. Uh, we went to College Track's location, uh, right, uh, 3rd and Broadway in Oakland. And we were there with, uh, how many kids? It was probably 40 to 50 first generation high school students that w today was the biggest day in their educational journeys. Uh, they were submitting their first rounds of applications to, uh, oh, to, wow. to colleges. And yeah. so oh, wow. If you ever want to get inspired by the next generation, like these type of situations where you get to ask kids just what makes what makes them tick, what they're passionate about, how they want to change the world. Uh, I don't remember talking like this when I was 16, yeah. 17, 18 years old. And, um, we sat around in a circle and everybody shared, you know, some of the the uh, excitement or the, what they're excited about, you know, the next journey in college, what they're nervous about or anxious about. And it was a very open, you know, kind of setting to get their feelings out. And. Uh, at the end, they all went over to their computers and all hit, you know, uh, submit at the same time. Uh, really, you know, just took that next step in terms of hopefully understanding where their future is going to be. Um, and then they had a celebration, and that was where we were, we were there just to celebrate them and their journeys. Uh, they had to hit a button, and everybody announced themselves and, and said what their accomplishment was, and everybody going crazy. So uh, when you talk about inspiring the, the young kids to pursue their education, it was inspiring to us to be a part of that process, to know that the work that's being done, not just what eLearn Play is doing and, and not just in Oakland, but around the country, uh, the next generation is there, they're forced to be reckoned with and it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's pretty amazing to see. So how Eat, Learn, Play works now is it's a, it's a grant-making and support organization where you've partnered with some incredible local organizations. There's also brands involved, too. Let's talk about both. Let's talk about the organizations first. How do you choose them? How have you gotten to know them beyond their specialty and your three pillars? What are you looking for when you look for an organization that you want to partner with? Yeah, sure. Um, I feel like... This sounds silly, but our team tends to move off of a vibe, truly. So it, it always takes a, a couple of visits to, to immerse ourselves into um, 
organizational culture and just to see how they're moving about, what kind of change they're making for us to decide whether or not we want to be in a partnership, see how it's impacted the children that they're helping. And then from there, we, uh, we make our decision. We love local um, right now. Um, so we've right now partnered with a lot of uh, local organizations. And then for us, just when it comes to brand partnerships, um, which I think is what you're asking. Also too, yeah. We, um, when we look to work with a brand, we def- one of the biggest components of our decision-making process is how can this create change um, outside of ourselves? And so um, we usually say no when, it, when they're, they're not willing to um, participate in our eat, learn, play um, endeavors. Did the CEOs have to go in the dunk tank like you did on launch day? It was amazing. Google launch day for Eat, Learn, Play. And that was really fun. I think a lot of it, like Aisha said, it was just overall leadership too. It's um, a lot of parallels to the tech world and kind of just uh, from a nonprofit standpoint, you know, leadership and how people are represented and and just the vision that, you know, those people in charge have, you know, it it goes a long way and it's a huge indicator of success. And like she said, it's a lot about vibe, but it's more, uh, or it's also about, you know, just being able to just spend time with them and see if our ideals are aligned. And and you ask those questions around, are you really going to be, you know, eager to participate, whether it's, you know, sending volunteers or, um, you know, if it's it's, uh, actually getting funds going towards, you know, initiatives that we're, that we're, um, you know, passionate about and, and, and those type of uh, things, or those are the questions that you ask going into right. to, to that process. And, and for us, I think the reason that Eat, Learn, Play is, is happening now um, is because ready to, you know, having the ability to dedicate time to this, because it is something that is, you can't just, you know, Right checks. It has to be something that you're really invested in, that you have that follow up, that you have leadership that, that we've been fortunate enough to, to have on our side as well. And, and really spend that time having those conversations, really strategizing and goal setting and and then following through. And, um, you know, that's that's been a really rewarding experience through all of this, even in, you know, a short six to eight months of actually um, activating and, and, and going out there and executing what we what we want to do. So besides the fact that I think it would be a lot of fun to be in a planning meeting with the two of you, <laughs> I, okay, I, I'm 100%. <laughs> I'm, I'm also sure that you know and have known for a long time that there are very serious and big reasons why kids are hungry, why there's no place for them to play, you know, why, there's, um, why we're losing talented people by first grade, second grade, third grade. They're not treated correctly in schools. They're disproportionately punished. All of these things I know that you know because I know that you've got reams of research on it and that you behind the scenes are sharing this research. So I'm, I'm curious how you want to address the bigger systemic issues that make this work possible. How do you plan to work with lawmakers and policymakers and Will there ever be a, prof- uh, a President Curry one day? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not just because we're desperate. Uh, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of it's kind of is the, the relationship building and understanding, you know, we have to listen. We have to be able to, to learn and to be educated. Um, and that's only with the people that you get in the same room with. And I think that's a big part of just our, our presence here in the Bay Area and, and doors that have opened, um, you know, whether it's working with Mayor Libby Schaff in Oakland or, like you said, first partner, uh, 
Jennifer uh, Newsom, like those those relationships are ones that you can truly make sustainable difference and policy change that is a, a core goal of of what Eat Learn Play is about. And I know Aisha, uh, you you can talk about it in a second. Just about uh, when you talk about kids going to school hungry and you know losing kids at, at that early of an age where they only have it don't even have a chance to. No. To, uh, to succeed because of fundamental uh, deficiencies in their life. Like those things should not happen. And um, I won't say it thunder. You have a huge, like a, a huge want to, to change, yeah. you know, that in a, in a material way. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I was talking about this this morning um, with first partner Newsom and I said, we're, we're one of the only thriving countries that have children going to school that don't have a proper lunch that's afforded to them. And I think that just shouldn't be the case. And so it makes me question, are, are we really thriving? Are we? Right. If our children are going to school hungry, are we? Um, I just feel like it shouldn't be a question. And so I was speaking with her, like, how can we, what do I need to do to make this happen? Where do we need to go? Who do we need to speak to? And so it's just trying to get in the right room with the right people, um, to make it happen. And I know it's going to be a journey, but I think with our, with our organization, that is my biggest goal is to try and at some form of a government level, um, have a meal program, um, be the standard for all kids, um, at any school, regardless of where they're going, um, where they come from. I think it just shouldn't even be a question. Um, so that's one of my, um, biggest things that I'm it's one of the biggest missions I'm on right now how are you I know you're you're surrounded by experts now and you've got access to some really interesting people how else are you learning about what's happening and the reasons for it and how to rank those priorities because you know when I think about the work that you're trying to do it's almost it hits everything their their parents are at risk they don't have jobs maternal health how are you how do you rank all of this that's the thing, right? That's such a hard question because um, how could you possibly Packing rank? shoes, yeah. Um, and that's something we're figuring out. Um, that's why we have, you know, a team of people in our corner helping us to figure it out because if, if, if you left it up to us, we'd be trying to do every, like, we, <laughs> yeah. because like, um, we're, we're not the, like, let's, let's pick and, and choose type of people. Um, so I me especially, I have to get reeled back in sometimes. I have way too many big ideas and I want to, you know, solve the world's issues. But I realize that pinpointing and tackling one at a time is is very important. And so we're in the process now of figuring out what steps to take first and where to go next. Yeah, a lot of us, again, on just, you know, the relationships that you, that you have with people on the ground and um, hearing what the community needs from the community. And right. I think a big part of that is, you know, we've had it. Me personally, uh, I know she's been a huge uh, sounding board and help and in, um, in, in getting us off the ground. But there's a, a lady named Regina Jackson from um, the EOYDC, the East Oakland Youth Development Center. And, okay. Uh, it's kind of funny, like, how it goes through. I won my first MVP in 2015. And as a part of the award, you get to donate a car to a, a, a deserving group that you, 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 you kind of choose on your own. And so uh, that's where I first met her. Uh, I got to donate the car to the EOIDC to use at their disposal. And we formed a relationship from there. And she has been instrumental in terms of identifying those issues, you know, providing like real life examples of how these issues are affecting the kids at, yeah. at large. 
um, and then kind of pointing us in the right direction to how we can, you know, potentially, you know, intervene um, at the level that we're at and kind of, you know, strategize going forward. And there's so many people that are, you know, you have to listen. You can't come in figuring, thinking you have all the answers. And uh, I think that's that's been a huge part to uh, to our, our journey in the beginning is just being open, open minded and have open ears to what the community is saying um, and, and then, you know, trying to strategize from there. Showing up with a car is a pretty nice way to start. Start. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break now to bring you a conversation with CEO WordPress VIP Nick Gernert. WordPress VIP is the leading provider of enterprise WordPress, and they power companies like Facebook, Spotify, and more. My colleague Matt Jaffe sat down with Nick at Dreamforce to discuss how his company is grappling with topics like the future of work, digital transformation, and more. We talk a lot here about business as the greatest platform for change. Mm -hmm. It's something that's obviously very front of mind for us, especially right now. I mean, obviously we're at a pivotal moment in time in our democracy, the state of the world, climate change. I, I, I don't think that needs any explanation. One of the messages that we've heard here this week at Dreamforce is that if you have that platform, you also have a responsibility to have a positive impact. Yeah. How do you view that for WordPress VIP and, and making sure that you as a, as a business are not just thinking about the bottom line, but are thinking about improving the state of your community in the world. Yeah, and it's that whole thing about like uh, stakeholders and shareholders, right? Exactly. Like we we can't just focus on the shareholder wealth. And this is actually, I mean, what attracted me personally to WordPress VIP was really the thoughtful approach to this. One of the things that's just kind of in our company creed is I'm in a marathon, not a sprint. Um, mm-hmm. And when we're able to really say, let's look, let's take long-term thinking about something and not make short-term compromises. Um, And you're really empowered to do that. Like that's put in front of you, like day one at the company is like, this is a marathon and we're, we're worried about impact. And, and we believe that if we put those things at the front of what we're doing, then, you know, the financial well-being of the organization will be taken care of by sort of thinking about the greater good and that sort of thing. And so that's what like really brought me into this organization in the first place was like, okay, that's a great place to start from because where where I think a lot of things got went astray were was this thinking of like, look, we're just putting a platform out there, what people choose to do with it. Like, yes, we'll have a terms of service and as long as it's not illegal, you know, we don't want to be the judge of like right and wrong right. and things like it's this. It's out of our just, hands it's now. It's out of our hands. Like our terms of service, like it's not good enough. And I don't I, like, and I don't want to work in an environment where that is, that is, that is good enough. Right. right? Like I want to, th- I want to be challenged to think critically about like, what, what is, our, what is our time enabling? What is mm-hmm. our, what are our resources really enabling in the world? And are we leaving the world a better place than sort of we're finding it or are we not? And, and, and I think, this is a really refreshing time to say like, hey, let's, let's think critically about this. And, and what we're doing on WordPress VIP, I mean, it is a, it, it's a very specific customer segment, right? And every, every opportunity that we're looking at working with, we can think critically about like, you know, is this in the best interest of, of our organization, of the broader stakeholders that are impacted by this? And, 
we've had tough decisions where we're like, no, you know what? This one's a pass for us. This is something that we're not necessarily um, going to, to focus on because- Something that otherwise you might've said yes to if you were just narrowly focused on, hey, what's good for our bottom line? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you sit there and you go, okay, I go through our terms of service. It seems like a check, like, you know, nothing there, but it doesn't pass the smell test. And really what, what happens is like, we look at it now and we're like, look, we have a terms of service, but we also have a set of values, like you've mentioned. We also have, a, you know, and that 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 is really uh, explained through our creed that we sort of all ascribe to as individuals at this organization. And when I compare it to that, it's actually not really in service of that. Like if one of the things that we really espouse to is like creating a diverse and inclusive environment and we want to support that and see that proliferate and only grow, then we want to make sure that the work we're enabling through, you know, or the, the customers we're enabling also are, are, you know, in support of that. And where that runs counter to that, we can do better. So I love that sort of tension and thinking about like, look, it's not all about a bottom line. And you can't just look at it and say, you know, we'll take whatever comes our way and we don't want to be the judgment on this. Like, no, we can. There are a lot of things that are stuck in legislation right now, right? Like we're thinking about privacy and, you know, Europe's ahead of, you know, the US right now mm -hmm. in terms of privacy regulation. But that doesn't mean we have to sit around and wait for laws to come out in order for us to do things that are right for customers, that we can keep their data private, that, you know, that we can, we can build that trust and do that. Like we don't need legislation to get us there. Like we can do these things as good corporate citizens. How has that thinking changed in the last few years? I feel like there has been a shift in the business world yeah. where now it's, it's actually on the businesses to do better. It's on the businesses instead of just saying, hey, uh, we're, we're falling back. I mean, look, this is this is what the law is. We're fine. Yeah. Now it's it's no longer good enough. Do you think that's mainly down to how customer expectations have really shifted? I think customer expectations have shifted, but I also think like where we, we as individuals want to invest our own time, like we all have, like we need jobs to support, our, you know, our lives and things like this. And you know, people are, we're all smarter about this, right? Like we don't have to just sit here and say like, yeah, I just need a job. Like, and, and that's no way to be competitive in a marketplace. Like I think organizations that aren't thinking about like purpose-driven work and like that, that matters to people, like that absolutely matters. Mm -hmm. There are, I would say the majority of conversations I have about people that are joining our organization, like one of the initial attractions was the purpose-led work, that there's yep. more to it. Same here, just, it always comes back to that. Yeah, so I think we need a greater purpose in the work. We need to feel good at the end of the day. Like we are doing stuff that is just beyond what like what that model was three, five years ago or whatever, where we're just you know building shareholder wealth and you're gonna attract top talent in doing that. So um, I think- And I think in turn that leads to the sense of community that we see here at Dreamforce. Yes. Is it, it leads to that, that feeling of, hey, we're all in this together. Absolutely. We're all in this for the right reasons. Yeah, and it's, I mean, there, there can be different reasons and that's what's beautiful about this too. We can all sort of focus on like what's important to us uh, and we can help elevate society. I mean, it's just a, it's a very different place right now, I think, where there's a lot of challenges that we're experiencing that are like across sustainability, across, you know, diversity in the workplace, across, you know, wage equality, things like this. And it's one thing to say, like, let's let legislation solve this. That's just not good enough. Like, and those of us that are privileged to sit in a place where we can have a big impact through our work should absolutely use that platform to, to help enact that change. That was Nick Gurner, CEO of WordPress VIP. To find out more, visit WPVIP.com. And now back to Stefan and Aisha Curry and host Ellen McGirt. 
I just want to sidebar for a quick second, Aisha, when I said that you were part of, you were growing a, a rapidly changing empire. I mean, it's really going fast. Could you just spend a couple, give us a couple of minutes just letting us know where you are? And I mean, you're a New York Times bestselling author, you're a restaurateur, you've recently, not that long, well, a little while ago, you, you sort of re revamped your, your lifestyle website. Just yeah. tell us where you are. Yeah. Oh, boy. Please. <laughs> um, okay, you're throwing me for a loop. Um, well, we're about to open our fifth restaurant location, which okay. is crazy. Um, and that's been a joy, but even through that, um, like working with organizations like the bread project, right. um, which is a, an organization, um, where they bring, um, either formerly, formerly incarcerated people or people that just need, you know, help getting on their feet. They teach, they teach them how to bake. Um, they give them a place to stay. Uh, and they nurture them until they can get back in the work field. So even things like like the restaurant partners with them um, to make our buns for our burgers. And so we're always looking for ways to kind of make an impact in that way. So Fifth Restaurant is opening in January. Um, I'm opening my first permanent. So I've had the pop-up in Jack London Square in Oakland for my store for... Um, going on a year now, which is crazy because it was supposed to be two months. And now, and now we found a permanent location down the street in Oakland nice. uh, on 23rd Street. And so I'm really excited for that. Um, I'm actually in the middle of a rebrand right now. Oh, okay. Can't talk too much about it. All right. But it's been, it's, it's exciting. Yeah, there's a lot going on. You know, I just want to, just talking with you both, it's just so clear to me that this is caring about community and, and, is just baked into everything you do and every decision you make. And that seems to be a great filter for thinking about how to choose a partner, that they, they think that way too, that everything is an opportunity to, to not center yourself, but to center the issues and the people who need you. Yeah. And we've been really blessed that the people that we have partnered with so far have gone above and beyond um, the standard when it comes to getting involved with eLearn Play. So, um, I, I do want to, this is, I know that you both have, have sophisticated portfolios and giving and, and, but I wanted to talk a little bit about your work with malaria and your, and your, your travels overseas was, you tell us a little bit about that program because it really is extraordinary. And of course the, the yeah. CEO, he, he's right here in the audience. Where is he? He's right it's interesting how you meet people. So yes. When I was in college, uh, my college roommate, who's now my business partner, uh, we, he started a, huh? Yeah. And my best friend. He started, uh, <laughs> he's probably watching this like, come on, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and so he, uh, he started a three-on-three -three tournament uh, called Nothing But Nets to uh, raise money for uh, malaria bed nets to be sent over to continental Africa. Uh, and so part of that process uh, or sorry, it was called Buzzkill that was raising money on behalf of nothing but nets to send money right. to Africa. And so uh, part of that, I got introduced to the, to the cause and um, became a champion of nothing but nets. And uh, the CEO of our foundation, now Chris Helfrich, who's here, uh, he was running nothing but nets at the time and doing a lot of amazing work with nothing but nets and the UN Foundation. And that's where we met. And so you think about just a, a common idea of how can we impact, not just here in the, in the States, but you know overseas as well. And we identified that specific cause. Uh, I got to go to, to Northwest Tanzania uh, to a, um, a refugee camp where there were about 40,000 uh, Congolese refugees there. And we spent 
you know, three days, I believe, on the ground, passing out bed nets, um, just talking to the people there and hearing their stories. And one, it was just about just as a parent not being able to right. protect your child. Um, there's alarming stats on, you know, children under the age of five being affected by malaria. And so uh, we had just had Riley at the time. And so it kind of just cemented, you know, from a parental exp you know, perspective, how, uh, how much those bed nets, you know, matter to them in terms of protecting their families. And it was a really a rewarding experience and, and we did a lot of great work there. And so uh, that's just springboarded uh, this, uh, this entire relationship that we've had and the idea of how Eat, Learn, Play is, is, has kind of come to life. And you, again, you just find like-minded people that want to impact the, the community and are passionate about it. You know, I can speak for our team that, this isn't a job. This is a. Uh, this is what they've been called to do, and uh, you can you can see that through every every single conversation we have, and, and just how diligent they are. And so, um, yeah, it's it's really really cool experience being a part of that cause, and um, you know nothing but that's still on the on the on yeah. the race to to end malaria in, yep. con in continental Africa. So. Uh, a lot of great work that, again, that's just not happening here domestically, but internationally as well. Is that the first time you've seen that kind of poverty or that kind of post-conflict situation? Oh, 100%. Um, and it it's kind of hard. It, to, it, it does change you, and it's, it's something that uh, it's hard to really put in the words to, yeah. to do that experience justice, but um, it's only just double down on that, that it, you know, emotion in terms of, like, any way that you can impact just one just one child one parent one family um you're doing you're doing amazing work did they know who you were uh they didn't and it's kind of funny i did see a bunch of those well i bet you now there's a 2019 uh golden state warriors nba champion shirt there <laughs> <laughs> i saw a lot of, of the losing uh, uh wardrobe there now but it's uh they didn't <laughs> they didn't know <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know who I was, but I did get to play on a clay. They they manufactured uh, a clay basketball court, uh, official regulation size with some makeshift baskets. Stop um, it! They knew they, you were then. They, they a right? couple people started to figure it out when I got there and started playing. <laughs> um, but it was that was just cool. Just basketball and I mean, sports in general, kind of the play aspect of eat, learn, play. Sports connects so many people yeah. on a level that is unheard of in this world and. And so using that as a, obviously a, an engine to uh, to create change and and uh, and create exposure and awareness on issues that matter and, and bring people together. Um, no better example than me, me playing basketball in, in Tanzania with uh, some refugees and, and having fun. And they gave me a little trophy to bring back home and all that. So it's oh. pretty, pretty, pretty rewarding experience. See the power of play in a refugee camp. So you, you the two of you have an incredibly powerful network of a network of powerful people. And I just, I have this, many of whom are public figures, many of whom are athletes, many of whom are business people, and who are increasingly moving into work, social justice work, raising issues. You okay? No, I've been sick for like the past couple of days. Thank you. Good, I'm fine. Thank I'm here. you so much for coming and showing wow. up, I know. <laughs> See if we can get you some ginger tea. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, in my mind, I have this, 
um, maybe it's just a group text, but I just, I imagine a network of beloved, powerful people like, exchanging <laughs> right, best practices on micronutrients and, and how to get, you know, like all of these things that we need to solve these systemic problems. How do you tap into your network and, and how are they supporting you and how are you supporting them? You want to take it? That's something that's been, I think, hard for the both of us. Um, we we really don't like calling in favors. Um, we we're do-it-yourselves kind of people for the most part, um, and so you know, it took realizing that eat, learn, play, and our other daily work endeavors are two separate things, and so you kind of have to tuck your tail in between your legs and ask for the favor when it comes to the organization because that's what's really important and people should want to rally around it. And so, I mean, a simple text, a simple call goes a long way. Right. Getting hold of people's publicists. I can't believe that's a thing, but it is. Um, and you just ask, you, you, you can't be, you can't, you can't have any shame when it comes to this stuff, right? Because right. we're trying to make a difference. That's right. And so I think it was for us realizing the difference between asking a favor and asking someone to help impact a community um, is what's really helped us. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. You have anything to add? No, I think just in terms of um, it seems more and more that the people that we come in contact with, whether it's my teammates or people from other industries or whatnot, there's a overwhelmingly uh, apparent kind of initiative to use your platform in a way that I don't know in generations of past have, has been there. And so, like, those conversations kind of come somewhat naturally in terms of like what people are doing and like what's going on, you know, with eLearn learn play or celebrating what other people are doing and finding ways to, like she said, rally around those causes and those efforts. There is no, uh, a group chat. Sorry. To, there's no, like, I, uh, no, I, I just, just went, like, there's no, like, uh, yeah, but it's just a matter of just having that shared perspective that we're all doing things in our own authentic ways. Right. But there are connectivities along the way that you should definitely be able to support. And I mean, even just being here in the Bay Area, it might not be, I use that word famous, but just notoriety, people with notoriety um, and the ability to help are very willing to do so um, if they feel a connection to yeah. to what you're doing. And it's been apparent just here with even our launch event that we had and our, uh, our, our golf tournament that we had here on the Bay Area, um, just trying to create those relationships even more. People came out and, you know, the who's who of Silicon Valley, the... Um, the, the CEOs that are just extremely excited about, you know, their philanthropic endeavors as well and just whatever resources they have available, just being so generous. Like, uh, I'm, we're blessed to be here in the Bay Area to, to have those relationships and whatnot. And hopefully that'll continue to, to, to create a fire. Um, and again, it's just about finding people that are doing it in their own authentic ways. And, and I think we all have a, uh, a say in that. You're both excellent at technology. I mean, your Instagram and you just... <laughs> Everything you saw me, you you saw do. me in the back. I know, I did. To do my I did. I did. Story post. I was struggle sitting. Maybe it's because I only had one hand. I know. He's, but, he's got the he's got the he's got the lame paw there. But I know. So, but but you understand how it works. For the most. I did part. witness an unfortunate event. Like, 
<laughs> failing to post. But you must, I mean, you do have the resources of the Bay Area at your disposal, and people do you know, love you and care about these kinds of things. How, how do you envision using technology to, to get some, the stats? I mean, even just getting the stats out, the fact that you even say the numbers. Yeah. This is like my, my actual beat at Fortune, and I'm, you know, I'm out there for three and a half years. It's like kids are dying. They're being, they're, Awareness. you know, prison, school to prison pipeline. These are real things. That's where your the next black CEO is in a prison somewhere, right? Yep. So how, how do you plan to use this? These, your... Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the, I mean you have you love it and you hate it and one of, that's one of the reasons why I love it is because with the click of a button you can raise awareness to millions and millions of people and so I think it is really just getting the statistics out there and getting the numbers out there and letting people know how they can help something as simple as that um, just to put it into perspective uh, Oak, in Oakland you know the child going to school hungry numbers one in four yeah. Um, across um, the states, it's, it's one in six. And so what, what are we doing? Like, you know, it's yeah. this is our, literally in our backyards. And so just like letting people, people don't know that if you, cause if you don't know, you don't know. Um, and so it's just figuring out how to, you know, make sure we're using our platform and that gift of technology to the best of our abilities. And I think honestly, just putting it out there whenever you can, um, weaving it into whatever we do um, goes a long way. I also think, uh, you know, on both our behalf, we're trying to find ways to just use every channel, uh, whether it's just our own social media pages or, you know, the organizations that we work with, try to find ways to cross-pollinate across uh, all the different endeavors that we have, like she said. So in terms of, like, brand partners that you select to to go into partnership with, making sure they have a like mindset and that the things in the campaigns that you're doing have some give back, you know, uh, perspective and make that a priority um, and make that sure that's weaved in, and it has a, a synergy through everything that we're doing in, in our, uh, we're both kind of dabbling now in the, in the media space and have our own production companies. And right. so trying to find ways that if you find a project that, um, you know, has uh, a, a stat or some, uh, ability to make people aware of an of a situation that they might not have come in contact with, get behind those and be champions of them and share those with the world and let people you know tell their stories. Um, those type of opportunities, uh, you want to be selective about them because you want to make sure that they're, they're they're powerful and that they're they're moving the needle and it's something that we really believe in. But um, those opportunities have just you have to have a perspective on um, using every opportunity, every uh, distribution channel, uh, every brand partner, um, every company that I've, we invest in, all right. those different uh, angles. There's so much opportunity there. Right. Um, and it's important to have that perspective going in. So it's sort of an organic approach. Do you have any idea? Are you reviewing scripts? Do you have any sort of related projects in the works that you could talk about, or even in a general way? I'm curious. Uh, yeah, there's... Uh, so... We've had some, so we have had some wins. So Aisha has uh, her endeavor that she's done uh, her, her uh, cooking show on Food Network and, yeah. and uh, um, uh, ABC. Sorry, uh, the uh, family food fight that we had. So like, <laughs> there's so much opportunity in terms of like now, and if it's on, you know, uh, with a partnership with ABC like we right. had, or if we had a, um, the ability to uh, we had break I had a movie uh, breakthrough come out in, in theaters this past summer 
a documentary called Emmanuel about the shooting that happened in Charleston, South Carolina back in 2015. Um, those opportunities can continue to set the stage for how we can storytell through mm -hmm. media and through, you know, entertainment and, and impact families in, you know, in of all generations, whether you're, you're laughing at it, you're crying with it. Right. Uh, you're, you're having you're understanding it. with it or, you know, you're being presented with information and you're processing it. Uh, there's so much opportunity there as well. And so, uh, again, it's all about being authentic. And that's the that's the hardest part about there's so much opportunity there. But it's is it really you know, resonate with us and who we are and what we're trying to do? Yeah, I think storytelling goes a long way, too. Um, especially, I mean, just speaking back to Oakland with what Oakland's going through this transformation in a sense, but it's like, how do you keep the heart and soul there? Um, and so I'm in like the very, very, very early stages of, um, working on a documentary about a block of women in Oakland, um, five, uh, black female owned businesses, um, and just telling their story and how they're kind of keeping that heart and soul in Oakland. And, Okay, I'm one of I'm one, I'm one of the the businesses, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but the other four <laughs> But the other four women <laughs> Sometimes it's okay to be in the story. <laughs> but the other four women are are incredible um, and they're what really drew me to wanting to be in that space yeah. and just seeing the potential and just knowing together us as businesses, what we can do for the community. And so I'm really excited. I can't talk too much about it. Cause again, it's like, it's in its, it's an embryo right now. It's in its, it's, it's not. So, um, but look out for that. Uh, I'm really excited <laughs> about it, but I feel like something simple like that with what, with everything and all the change that Oakland's go through, that can draw eyes to it. Once, once, you know, it comes out, um, and create some sort of an impact and, and change and hopefully, you know, get people excited about Oakland and bringing their businesses to Oakland. I feel right. like I've never, I've never experienced being in a place before where there's so much heartbreak and heartache and need, Yeah. but people are still so passionate and loving and caring and like proud of their city and who, like, who doesn't want to be a part of a place like that? Right. Um, that's evoking so much change, but still has so much heart to it. And so that's what, that's why, you know, we decided to start there because Oakland really has nurtured us. Um, it's, it really is a special, sorry, I'm rambling. It really is a special place to us. Uh, we only have a few minutes left. So now's the time in front of the greatest conference audience in the world. It's a beautiful audience. You are a beautiful yeah. audience. I do. I love coming here and I wish you could see what, it, what you look like from up here because you really do look like hope in the future and all Pretty good fantastic. things, right? Yeah. So, but now is the time to put out the big vision and where, how you think this can scale and how your community approach can be meaningful in other communities that are specific in their ways and what we can do to be part of it. I mean, uh, it's been an amazing journey so far that like we've talked about and, and, uh, kind of the process now that we're on and we've identified our initial run of grantees that we're really excited about, you know, again, telling their stories and broadcasting the work that they're doing on the ground. Um, we talked about Aisha's, you know, mission on, you know, getting sustainable policy change around food programs and schools. Yep. And 
and our work in Oakland is a priority. It's again, it's our adoptive home. It's where we want to start. But every community has its own set of needs and issues and problems and things that we can all be a part of that journey. Um, for us, it's about continuing again to be to listen to what you know is 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 going on um, yeah. at, at the at the ground level, and and that's a, that's a that's a process and a long journey. And so we've. We want to be uh, very impactful and efficient in how we go about our business, and I think that's what we've what we've kind of started on right now. And so, in terms of just following our, our journey and our path, we're going to be broadcasting everything, every single step of the way. Um, if you can find ways that uh, in any of those three pillars, you have people that are on the ground doing amazing work, and you want to, you know. Uh, put that on the radar. Uh, we yeah. got a way to get that information, and we can hopefully, you know, create those relationships. And, and it's just all about continuing to build hope uh, for the next generation. Because, like Aisha said, um, that's it's so profound in Oakland, and I know that is a similar thread in a lot of different communities. But um, that's something that you know we're we're all about right now. Yeah, good job, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel like. You know, especially in a room full of um, change makers, um, I feel like everybody's always talking about scaling. I know. And everybody is so quick to scale and we want to grow and we want it big and we want it now. And for me, especially when it comes to this, I think crawling before you walk is the best decision because people are, are quick to scale and then you scale and you have a beautiful ship that doesn't sail. And... Um, I just, I want to make sure that we do this the right way and that we, you know, make the change first in the place that we intended to start that out for. And once we feel like we've gotten to a great point there, then we think about scaling out. But until then, I really believe in the village approach. And for us, you know, no matter where you go in the world, everyone has their tribe. They have their village. The saying, it takes a village to raise a child. And so really right now, um, in the here and now, our goal is to truly just be the village for the people around us that don't have that village. We, I mean, we're here today because we have our little village at home, but there are several people that can't even go to work and, and take their children to school because they don't have anybody around them to do that. And so it's really our goal to find those people, to wrap our arms around them um, and to, you know, create change in that small, what some people might seem think is small and insignificant is a big, big, big change. So we're going to, we're going to crawl for a little while. And I think that that's always smart. Beautiful. Fundamentals. We're going to crawl right along with you. Thank you so much for being here. Enjoy the That was Stefan and Aisha Curry, joined by Ellen McGirt at Dreamforce 2019. To learn more about their nonprofit, Eat, Learn, Play, go to eatlearnplay.org. If you enjoyed this conversation and want more like it, be sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. That'll do it for another episode of Blazing Trails. Thank you for listening, and thank you to WordPress VIP for presenting this show with us. We'll be back next Thursday with more great conversations like these. Blazing Trails is a production of Salesforce, a customer relationship management solution committed to helping you deliver the personalized experiences customers want, so they'll keep coming back again and again. Salesforce, bringing companies and customers together. Visit salesforce.com learn more.